0: As I mentioned uh, earlier in the service, we have been in our series entitled "Grow." Uh, the necessity of this is for us who have not known Christ for a while, and for those who have known Christ for a while, to, to understand what it is that growing Christians do. What are the characteristics and the lifestyle that a growing Christian, one who is becoming more like Christ, because that is indeed the goal, what is it that is a part of our lives? And so, as we go through this, we, it's not that we are trying to amass or attain certain things or check a box, but is indeed the importance of being like Christ more and more each day. We want the trajectory to be generally going up, don't we? Now, sometimes the trials of life and our own frailties and temptations cause us to sin, but we want to see in a believer's life that the growing characteristic of being like Christ every day. And so as we come to this next one today, we will bow in prayer and ask God's help that we might, by His grace, be more like Christ. Let's bow. Gracious God, I need you this morning. My lips are frail. Father, my thoughts are weak, but your word is powerful and strong. And so would you Lord, be with our time today. and By the power of the Holy Spirit, unfold Your Word to us. May the thoughts, the overview of the New Testament come rushing home to us in this topic that we might be more like Christ. Thank You for our salvation. Thank You that the Lord indeed is our light and our salvation. Thank You, Jesus, that You have redeemed us. So may we glorify You. May we be Your people. May we be Your church. It's in Christ, and I pray. Amen. Jesus had ascended into heaven. Remember the flurry of that last week as he is teaching his disciples. He just has a short time 40 days from the resurrection to the ascension. And he comes to that point on the Mount of Olives and he returns to heaven. And disciples return to an upper room. And there it says they pray, they're devoting themselves in one mind. To prayer. So they gather there in prayer. Later that week, 120 people come and gather together. 120 out of all those of Jerusalem. 120 come together because they believe that there needs to be a 12th disciple. Judas Iscariot is now dead. And so they, by the power of the Holy Spirit, come and name a 12th disciple. And then, just 10 short days after Christ's ascension, the Holy Spirit came and filled the believers that are gathered once again in an upper room. And the group spills out into the city of Jerusalem proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. And the people are hearing the disciples speak in their own language. These are Galileans. These are not considered very smart people. But suddenly, people from all walks of life and from different cultures, Jewish people now coming to Jerusalem for, for the day of the Pentecost, they're hearing in their own language. The Holy Spirit is doing a great work. And the people as they are hearing their own language said, this can't be. They're either crazy or they're drunk. And Peter stands, the natural spokesman of the group, stands and proclaims the Messiah. He said, what you are hearing is not something that's crazy We're not drunk. It's early in the day. But you're indeed hearing, if you're a Jew, you understand this, that the prophet Joel prophesied a long time ago and you're seeing it fulfilled today in your very eyes. Wow. Incredible, the work that was going on. God was doing as Peter unfolds who Christ is. He, he, He starts from the Old Testament and brings them through. The Jesus of Nazarene, The same Jesus that the Jews put on the cross with the help of the Roman government, this same Jesus is indeed their Messiah. The Word of God goes forth in power. He proclaims that Jesus, the Messiah, God raised Him up in great power. And so he says, this one in verse 36 of chapter 1, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. I love the way that Peter just says what he thinks. And they say, what shall we do? What is it that we do? They're pierced to the heart. Verse 38 of chapter 1, Peter said to them, Repent, each one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in one day, 120 went to 3,000 plus. So 3,120. See, I can't do math <laughs> sometimes. Whole numbers. <clears throat> Incredible growth. Incredible power of the Holy Spirit. And so these who are coming now, we have, if you take yourself back in that time period, you have... Now 3,000 people that need to be trained and taught about who Jesus is. And so the writer of Luke, as he begins to capture the mood, says in verse 30, uh, 43, Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were being taken place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together, had had all things in common. Verse 45, And they began selling their property and possessions, were sharing them with all, as anyone who might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And what you see with this additional 3,000 new believers and those coming increased number and number. On top of that, you see that this early church, as we call them, this church was a church that was being brought up and grown by the Holy Spirit of God on the basis of preaching the gospel. And you saw the church gathered together. It was imperative that they gather. This morning in our series, growing Christians gather. I, I, the word, I chose the word gather. Um, I could use a symbol. There's, there's Greek there too, well, credence. Uh, we could say have church. But growing Christians gather. One of the words, the Greek words used here um, is this word, synago. It's assembled together. It's used a very common word, Mark 6, 30. The disciples gathered with Jesus to tell Him all they had done and taught. That's when He sent the disciples out, the 70 out, and they come back. And, and so they're gathered together. It was, it was something that was common in their day. In fact, it was very common for a Jew to gather, because since the temple had been destroyed, and since the rise of what we call maybe in our, our parlance the synagogue movement, there were synagogues in villages where Jews lived and they would come together on the Sabbath and they would read the Torah, they would read the prophets and they would there discuss and they would fellowship, they come together around the Word of God. And so you see this work of God continuing And as Christians, the followers of Christ, they take on, because the early ones were all Jews, they take on this aspect. For necessity. But also out of desire, out of pattern. And as the Gentiles came into the body of Christ, you see something unthinkable happening. Jewish believers and Gentile believers are coming together at one table, eating together, gathering together, for instruction, yes, and for fellowship table fellowship for the breaking of bread the lord's table they gathered and all through the test the new testament you see this phenomenon of of believers gathering and so i want to walk through this taking kind of an overview of the new testament yep tie your belt on put your tie your shoelaces and we're gonna run briefly who when what why and how of believers as they gather who when what why, and how. All right, who? Ready? <clears throat> the who. Very simply, it is believers. Who gathers together is believers. Acts 2.44, all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 47, the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved, and these were gathering. Uh, you saw in the first chapter, I read, kind of talked through this, they were all in one mind, continuing devoting themselves to prayer along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and and his brothers. Very simply, believers gather. If you're a believer, you are to gather with other believers. And so, you know, the who is not so hard, is it? Got the who? Got the who. Believers gather. Well, so the next one may be a little difficult, and that's when. When do believers gather? Because Jews, the first, I don't know, 100 days, 200 days, year, two years, three years, predominantly Jews coming to Christ to follow Him as the Messiah. And then the Gentiles came and and the Jews had a, a, a practice. I mean, they, Sabbath, that was their day. Saturday, as we think of it. That was the day they gathered. But now, they're not under the Jewish system. Well, let me... Let me, let me temper that a little bit. See, in this early church, they were very much following because for them, Jesus was the Messiah. So they didn't think any, at all any contradiction to, to go and meet together. But you see a pattern coming together. And we, we call it the Lord's Day for a reason. In fact, there's only one time it's mentioned the Lord's Day in, in the New Testament. That's Revelation uh, 1, verse 10, where John the Apostle is writing. He said, I was in the spirit On the Lord's Day, and he begins to write. He hears the angel says, Write in a book what you see to the seven churches. But you look in the Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, and you see the pattern developing. Acts 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, the first day of the week for the Jews, Luke is talking of, even though he's a Gentile, he's talking of Jews and how they accommodate time. First day of the week, we were gathered together to break bread. Paul began to talk to them, and we'll talk about the, Paul's long message uh, maybe later. Um, ends up at midnight, so don't get upset with me. Oh, <clears throat> But when? So we see a pattern developing. The first day of the week, the Lord's Day, and then you also see developing various times because you s- saw, I read for you, that they, they were daily together. Wow, didn't they work? I bet they did. You got to eat. <clears throat> they did, but they were daily together. So, Stacey, what are you saying? We church every day? Yes. No, I'm not saying that. <clears throat> we have established tradition and, and practice that the first day of the week, Sunday, our Sunday, we call the Lord's Day, is when we gather as a body of believers. But that's not the only time we gather in small or large groups gathering as believers in homes maybe in other places coming together as believers you see it is within the heart of the believer the one who's deciding to grow to gather with other believers <clears throat> now when do we in our in our time you know 10 30 11 is kind of the time we think about of a sunday morning service but you know that may have risen because of um, you know, we did a lot of chores back in the farming days. You know, we had to get milk the cows, and, not we. <laughs> uh, we had to milk the cows, yeah, not me, we, other people maybe. Uh, milk the cows and do those things and you get there. And, and so we have in our U.S. economy, um, but we gather. Believers gather. And so they come and they set a pattern here. The New Testament sets a very clear pattern pattern of believers not living in isolation, living in one, sometimes the buzzword of community together with other believers. It's important to gather. Okay, so we got that. Small groups, large groups, together corporately on a Sunday, perhaps other times during the week, we gather. That is the win. But what? What do they do? What do they do when they go to the church? Maybe you've had that question for somebody who has not grown up in a, in a church. What do you do when you go there? So you say, well, come and see. You know, We don't do anything strange, and sometimes we even serve coffee. And here it's pretty good coffee. But that's not what we do. What is it that we do? Well, four main areas, and we'll kind of dissect them there. I'll am t- give you all of them first. There's a the teaching and discussion aspect of what believers do when they gather. There is the encouragement and the fellowship aspect of what believers do when they gather. Uh, there are meals. See, we have biblical verification for potluck providence. Dinner on the ground, hopefully with a plate. Whatever it is, we have, we have, yeah, we have a context here. And we, they also, prayer and praise takes place. And I'm not going to say a lot about praise. In fact, we're going to we're going to talk about worship God, growing Christians worship i believe it is next week but they do these these things so let's give you some context acts 2:42 they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles teaching let's stop there a second i had a little thing i'd underline it apostles teaching why quite obviously there are a lot of people who were following jesus for the very first time but that's not the only reason we talk about the apostles' teaching. It continues even as the churches grow and Paul writes letters back to established churches. It talks about the time of of giving attention to the public reading of God's word and how to study and those things, but this teaching was very important. Now, I wonder, I bet I'll bet that in the in the early days of the church, it could have been a lot like the synagogue. A passage was read and then uh, as you just have in the gospel, Jesus sat down and began to teach. I bet it had a lot of that forum, that kind of a thing, and maybe they, they as they came to to um, uh, things probably formalized over time. But I bet it had a lot of that feel in the early church. But they make no mistake: what happens as believers gather? Scripture discussion and teaching happens when believers gather. In fact, we really can't say it's a group of believers gathering and call it a gathering of believers if that doesn't happen, okay? It's not that we get together and, have, and talk about football or, or golf, my favorite thing. Um, that's not a gathering of believers. That's just a group of friends getting together, okay? If, if Scripture doesn't come up, if God doesn't come up in what He's doing in your life, then you really, you gotta scratch that out and put in just the, the kind of a friendly aspect. That call, not a gathering of believers, Okay, the work of God there. Notice here, the, one of the ones here was fellowship. Okay, the fellowship, and we're going to unpack that unpack that a little later in our series. But the fellowship and how they came together to work, to participate in the gospel, and then the breaking of bread and to prayer. These are things they were doing, and this is very early on. This is like you know, right after the day of Pentecost, and so you'll see formalization maybe coming later on. But you see the breaking of bread now. A couple of things. Um, understand and and this kind of gives you in acts 20 verse 7 on the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread now there were two aspects of breaking bread part of it was the breaking of bread that believers do because of the lord's table or lord's supper you've heard the word communion it is that it is remembering the lord's death and jesus commanded this the upper room before he goes to the cross he breaks the bread. This is a symbol of my body which is broken for you. Here's, here's a, the wine the cup. This is a symbol of the blood, my blood, that will be poured out for you. And so he said, and do this. Do this in remembrance of my death until I come. And a gathering of believers always has to have this within this context. He doesn't, or, doesn't kind, of, kind of say how often. Some churches do it every week. Some churches do it on the... Every fifth Sunday, once a month. But this is a characteristic, this the Lord's table coming, to to remember the Lord's death and what he's done for us. It's so that we don't forget. But also there's another aspect, and it seemed that they they ate together. Okay, so as as believers, they they had meals together. And some pita and some hummus or whatever it is. You kind of, just slap it together, and they were, and you notice in the early church, a lot of sharing going on. You're out of work, come on over. God's blessed me. <clears throat> Without a house, well, come stay with us too. And you see what's going on. Incredible. The work of believers taking care of each other and the breaking of bread, they came. And then so, <clears throat> uh, oh yeah, this is also talking about his prolonged message um, until midnight. But, the, but they were coming together to discuss. They had the fellowship, encouragement, um, Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Would you turn there for me? Um, Yeah, Hebrews 10. I'm going to go here. A little fast editing on the fly here. Hebrews 10, 23. So I would say that at this point, um, the writer of Hebrews is writing to a fairly mature church. or It's growing. And so he writes, he begins, he says, let us hold fast, tightly to the confession of our hope, without wavering why for faithful is he who promised or who his promise is faithful and let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds we the there the ESV has stir up KGV has provoke and that seems like that's what our brother does to another brother but I think it you know in the back seat of the car the idea is though however to stir up each other the body of Christ to love and good works or good deeds you see here, another aspect of us coming together as believers is this aspect of encouraging to love God more, to love each other more. I love what Matt said love Jesus and love a people, love others. Encouraging this. So the gathering of believers was not merely a teaching and discussion, it was encouraging others to walk faithfully in their surroundings, to love one another, to love those outside the body of Christ, to do good deeds, to do good works, not because they get a gold star, but because the love of God is so full in their hearts and lives that they want to serve in tremendous ways those around them. Verse 25, a little bit of admonition here, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, there's an urgency there, isn't there? There's an urgency. The day is drawing near. So, he said, so don't forsake the assembling together as the habit of some is. But why? Because of this encouraging aspect. Yes, there's teaching. Yes, there's, there's praise. Yes, there's prayer. But if believers don't gather, man, it's isolation. It's isolation. You need the encouragement of fellow believers. It's encouraging one another. You say, Times are going to get rough. You need the encouragement. So yes, there's teaching, but the, the idea, the aspect of fellowship and encouragement is so strong in the gathering of believers. Okay? Principal, you and I are not to come, Give me a, I'm here to get a blessing. Okay? That's a good thing. I love it when when god's word speaks to you and and your heart is overflowing but you come you come to encourage somebody else it takes us from me to them and we're all given great gifts and we will maybe sometime talk about all the gifts that god gives to us we're diverse and it's wonderful and your gift necessarily may not be my gift and we come using our gifts to minister to other people. And sometimes we get together other people who have the gifts like us and say, hey, how can we help others? Hey? Isn't that kind of fun when you gather together and, and come to, to, to an idea of how to encourage using the gifts that God has given you? This idea of encouragement, not forsaking. So don't, don't forsake because there's an important things going on in the gathering of believers. Acts 4. 31, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, began speaking the Word of God with boldness. They were gathering. God does a work in the gathering of His believers. And make no mistake, it's not that God does not do a work in our hearts as we sit together by ourselves in the Word of God. But the synergy of what God can leverage many people to do, many people who are willing to, to encourage. He desires to use the church as his means. And I'll be so bold that the building block of the Christian life is not the family. Family is important. It is basically the body of Christ. Okay, so it's a little radical here, okay? But but there are a lot of people in here that are by themselves today. They may have roommates, but if you'd say, okay, they don't count because they don't have uh 2.3. Five kids or whatever it is. We're in the South, maybe ten kids. I don't know what it is. Um, because they don't have that many kids and they're not part of the body of Christ. No. You come together. The basic building, basic building block is the church. We are now the family of God. And out of that, we are to encourage the families that come together with father, mother, mother, and children. Our mother and children, depending on what's happening in the life. We encourage that. But we come together as believers, regardless of our situation, and we come and we minister to each other in the body of Christ. So what is it? Highlighted teaching discussion, encouragement, meals, prayer, and praise. They came together for prayer. We'll talk about praise at another time. But this is what happens when believers gather. Does, do all four of these things have to occur when believers gather? gather? Now, I, we don't say, oh, okay, I didn't get to pray today in church, so okay, that, it didn't happen. No, no. And I love that God allows the flexibility of believers gathering in many different ways. Two or three gathered. I'm in the midst. But you're going to to gather around these purposes. As Christ is the center of the church, Christ, as Paul says in Ephesians, being the head of the body, you're going to incorporate these things in your gathering. Hopefully, in our corporate church service, we're going to hit all four, okay? We're going to do our best to get all of these in here. But what about the other times? <clears throat> what about the other times when you call somebody up or two or three friends up and say, hey, let's go have a cup of coffee. Let me show you what, share with you what God is doing in my heart and life. Or, hey, can we go have a cup of coffee because I'm struggling in my spiritual life and, and I need some accountability. I need somebody to say, Hey Stacy, how's it going today? Have you been in God's word together today? Have you this? Have you kept from? It's the real work of gathering. It happens. Well, let's go to why. Can we go to why? Let's go to why. <clears throat> the why is interesting because um, the work of God in ordaining a church, a body coming together, is only God could do this. Man didn't sit around and like, I think we'll have a, well, we'll call it church. I think we'll gather and we'll do certain things. And we'll all be the same. We won't be any of us different. And we'll come together and we'll gather. Now, why do believers gather? Ephesians 2, would you turn there for me? Ephesians two eleven. Ephesians 2. And I would like for you to kind of meditate on this passage uh, to the end of the passage this week and just kind of mull it over in your heart and mind and see the aspects that God has for you here. He says, first of all, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, remember that you were at this time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope without God. Wow. Thanks, Paul. So we were uh, separate from Christ, excluded from Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, and we didn't have any hope. We were without God. Yes, that was the Gentile. He's writing to a um, probably a primarily Gentile church. That was the Gentile people. They were separate. Okay, they weren't part of Jews. They weren't part of God's chosen people, the Jews. He said, but now in Christ Jesus, you were formerly far off, have been brought near by what? The blood the blood of christ those who were once far off are now near okay? for he himself is our peace who made both groups into one broke down the barriers of the dividing wall so though those who were far off are now brought near and things happen now there's a breaking and a crumbling of this separation jewish believers gentile believers are now together in the we believe that the, um, the reference to the dividing wall, the, the barrier there, is that wall that separated in the Temple Mount, Temple area, first and second temple, that would separate and keep Gentiles from coming into a certain place. They can't step in there. <clears throat> that wall is broken down by Christ. Christ now ushers us into the holy place. He himself dwells within us, he's our peace. Uh, by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandments contained in, in the ordinances. Okay, so just briefly, there there are ordinances, the commands you could not keep them perfectly. There was no way, but because of the sacrifice of his flesh, his body on the cross, now that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. The why is the gathering of believers to become one in unity the gospel. We're gathered together. So it, as peace is established, reconciliation is established, them both in one body to God. The joining, they See the... From don't touch me to now right together. What a beautiful picture of what God is doing. It's all it's because of Christ. This is all... Not because we were good enough. Not all, any of these things. Because of Christ on the cross... Because of His sacrifice, now men and women from different backgrounds, from different cultures, now through Christ are one body. Think of it, we use these terms, the universal church. So the church and then those universal churches meet together in local bodies. A church, a local church. But they are to be one. One in purpose. Read the rest of, of Ephesians. One Lord. One baptism. One. This idea of unity in Ephesians is so strong. So we are called as believers to come and join to be unified in Christ. Christ made two into one. So why do we gather? We who are different, different backgrounds, we are to gathering together to show what the work of Christ does on the cross in unity. So because of Jesus, diverse people gathered in unity of the gospel. We have a hard time. <clears throat> now, we, we might put it in modern times. Um, there are hatreds, different ethnic, racial things that are there. But let me tell you, in the body of Christ, that should not be. Hatred, despising, looking down, Christ died to put all of that aside. So, In the body of Christ, there must not be any division, race, hatred, economic, social economic status, all of these things. There, we're shaming the cross of Christ when that divides us. So because of Jesus and his death, these people who now know Christ, who are followers, come to faith in Christ are now one body, unity. How does that happen? <clears throat> how does that happen? In fact, how does it happen today? <clears throat> how does it happen today in the body of Christ? Number one, we must unite in our common gospel, <clears throat> our common Lord. Can't worship with them because they sit on red chairs, not blue chairs. <clears throat> I don't know. Make up your favorite thing that you've heard and maybe you've experienced. and Maybe that you're thinking. Unite in common gospel. You know, it's a good thing to have a diversity of age in the body of Christ. Young and old. And us that are still almost in between. It's a great thing. Ethnic and cultural backgrounds, diverse. That's a wonderful thing. And may I dare say even politics? Okay. Have you seen believers divide over politics? A kingdom, a presidency that will fade away, that is going to be nothing, Okay, and so they're arguing about it. They're mistaking that their king is someone on earth and not King Jesus. We argue. <clears throat> Don't do that. See all the differences that humans see that are potentially dividing us. Christ has made one through the cross. And so believers, we come together. We unite in the gospel. We also come, the second how is to realize our need for gathering. If this is going to be the way God intended, the way Christ intended, we've got to realize a need for gathering. And let me steer you away from the thinking of, I need gathering because I need something. You may. I'm not talking about that. The body has a need for you to connect. They don't need me. <clears throat> or, I don't need to gather. I don't need to... The, nah. the body needs you. They need your, it needs your gifts. It needs your compassion, your grace, your mercy. It needs your, sometimes, economic to come alongside someone you hear is having trouble and say, hey, can I help? Can I bring food? Can I help you change a flat tire? Whatever it is. The body needs you. And you're not going to know them if you don't gather with them. You're not going to need the needs, know the needs. If you don't take time to gather with believers, you're not going to know. <clears throat> See, everything is going to burn up eventually. We've got to realize our need for gathering. We've got to realize our need for that. It's important. Stop saying, I don't need the church. Or, and stop saying, I don't have anything to offer. That's placed you here. He's placed you in other bodies. Thirdly, may I step on some toes? Sure, why not? I've already done that. Uh, reject consumerism. We talk about this a lot with GBF. Be a contributor, not a consumer. I don't read. Go to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter eleven. Not now, sorry, later. And read about people who came because they were consumers. You can read about those who came. And Paul soundly um, admonishes them, we'll put it nicely. Reject consumerism. You don't have a count on me attitude as you gather with believers, not what have you done for me lately. Gathering is not about receiving, it's about giving. It helps us reject, I didn't get anything out of church today what did you give to whom did you give sometimes we think the gathering of believers just isn't doing us doing it for us anymore it's boring it's not working and so may I say gently really the gathering in some ways we have to think as believers it's not about me <clears throat> Yes, I need in my life to be touched by believers who care for me and pray for me. But I also don't need to be one who soaks it up. I need to be one who is reciprocating. Taking the investment, the time, and lives. Rejecting consumerism. I'll tell you what will give you. Spend some time with a a new follower of Christ. And that will give you a fresh perspective on this, on what the body means. I was talking to our friends. We support uh, Gospel Grace Church in, in Salt Lake City. So we were there in March. We, said, uh, we were talking to them. and said, well, how m- they have, um, we call them grace groups. They call them, I don't know, community group, lo- groups, life groups. I said, so, so what's the participation rate? He goes, 80 to 90% of those who are on the Sunday come to groups. I said, that's incredible. He goes, but you've got to remember He said, if I don't interact with my team, outside of my team and my wife, I do not speak to another believer in a week. I'm always with unbelievers. So that comfort of gathering. Now you turn around and think about those who have come into our assembly who are new to the Christian walk. They need you. When we turn around and we reject consumers, we say, they need me to speak into the life truth. Or to just talk to them and go to coffee. They don't need me always to lecture them. Okay, this, you got to do this next. You've got to shine your shoes this way next. They need me to care for them. They need you to care for them. To encourage them. Last, make gathering a priority. Make gathering a priority. The things that we care about are the things that we put in our calendars. We schedule them. I well, if you're a calendar kind of person. If you fly by the seat of the pants, well... Right on your palm, pilot. Um, But when is the last time that you not only set aside time to gather on a Sunday with other believers, but also set aside time to gather during the week with other believers? Say, Stacy, I am busy. We all are busy. We all are busy. You know, I think it's a. I need to go find this. I've said it several times. Uh, There's a Murphy's Law that says something to the effect that we will use up whatever time that we're given. If we work 60 hours, we'll use that time. If we don't work any at all, you know, we'll use up that time too with things, with stuff. Often good things. In fact, our problem is not the bad things often as believers. There's some of that. It's that we have so many good things. How do we prioritize? I want to encourage you to prioritize spending time with people. You know, if I, let me just say what I've tried to do, not always good at this, but I can prepare for messages until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. But most people aren't going to be awake for me to impact their lives at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. No. Now that you know that you may call me at 3 o'clock in the morning, no. I'm usually in bed by then. <clears throat> but you know what? If it's a priority to spend time with a person, to pray with them, to care for them, to encourage them, then you will set it in your calendar. In fact, you'll start your week saying, thinking, okay, I need to talk to this person, this person, this person. I can successfully manage my time to touch three lives this week. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to hope for it. I I was going to embarrass somebody, but I won't. But someone that is near and dear to me is very intentional with her planning. That's all I'm going to say. And she puts me to shame. Okay? She's intentional. Okay? It's a priority. It's a priority. Um... And parents, can I say this for you? Prioritize gathering with believers. What you prioritize, your children will prioritize. If it's not important to you, it won't be important to them. Young professionals, establish the habit early. Prioritize gathering with believers. Can I go to the other end? Older? Oldish? Oldish? more mature believers how's your prioritization prioritization you know god's given you a breath of experience in life your whatever age of, of mature age you are now are you using it are you gathering not only here corporately are you using your time throughout the week to encourage believers that is the how that is the how. And yeah, there are many more messages. 27 books in the New Testament. But yes, there are more on this. But that is basically the how. How we come together as believers and invest in each other's lives because of what Jesus has done for us. We study together. We learn together. We fellowship together. We eat together. We minister together. And later on in our series, we evangelize together. We come because Christ Himself came. He left the splendors of glory and He gave Himself to die on the cross. He spilled out His blood for us willingly. And so we gather as Christ as the head. Christ as our head. Jesus brings together diverse people around the Gospel together. He calls us Diverse, different as we are, to gather together. My encouragement to you this morning is to look around, to look inside, Lord, in my gathering. You notice I didn't say how many times a week, didn't kind of check in your box. Right? I want you to spend some time with God. Lord, how can I gather more with believers? Yes, corporately. We want to see you here because we love you. I love talking to you and seeing you, but I want to see you outside also. And I want to see you guys. I I love it when I walk into a coffee shop or a restaurant and I see people of our body engaged with other people, gathering together. Believers who are growing, gather. Let's bow. Gracious God, by your mercy and power, We thank you that you have saved us. We stand in awe of what you have done in our lives. We can't believe that a a God of the universe would give himself for us. So may we live in such a way. May we grow to be more like Christ. Father, may we gather together with believers. May May we live out your life through us.